Inflation continues to rise, COVID-19 continues to spread, crime spiraling out of control. The left is losing its collective mind on a range of issues and now they're scrambling for explanations as absolutely nothing has turned out the way they said it would if they were in power, of course. It never does. Which is why these people should be kept as far away from power as is humanly possible. Friends, it is time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. You can set your watches to it, you can bet on it, prepare for it. When the left says, do things our way, and people on the right are saying, hold on, I think that's a bad idea, they're going to end up being wrong and you're going to suffer the consequences. It's pretty much everything, right? We can break this down issue by issue, but before we do that, I just wanna say, look at the polls. People understand this country's not doing well right now. Biden administration is a disaster. It's obvious, we can all see it. So what exactly do they have to show for all this? When well, we had to get rid of Trump, it's all gonna be so much better. Biden's gonna crush the virus, not the economy. Yeah, right. But let's just start. Let's get down into some of the specific issues. We can take it one by one. They tell us that the economy's really good. And on top of that inflation that you think is so bad, it's not that bad. In fact, they were saying it's transitory. That was wrong. Now it's not transitory, that's obvious. And so that affects perceptions of the overall economy. Jen Psaki, though, the White House chief mouthpiece on all this stuff, she's telling you that, no, no, it's just perceptions about the economy because COVID, watch. The way people experience it, and the president just said this as well, is not by looking at charts in the paper, right? As much as we love charts, because they're important for us to note, it's about their monthly budget and how much it takes to fill up their, ca uh, their tank of gas, uh, how much it takes to buy meat, to have burgers for a barbecue. That's, that's what I was saying. Um, why are people experiencing things or why? Because, and I, we've talked about this a little bit before, but you know, a lot of it, what we're seeing in our data is, uh, is people's psychology on the economy, on how they're experiencing things in the country right now is related to COVID. And the fact that COVID, we're still in a fight uh, against this virus. Uh, people expected it to be over sooner. Uh, we have new variants that have come up uh, and people are looking to get back to a normal version of life. Uh, so it's not their fault? The economy's great? Which, which one is it? Is it the things are great, we don't know it, or the things aren't that great because of COVID? They, they can't even keep the talking points straight. It seems like, yeah a mess. But if you're wondering what's really going on, oh, the average family right now, according to an analysis cited by CBS News, it's not just something I'm pulling out of thin air here, average expenses, which does really affect people, a typical family, it's gone up $4,000. Watch. We're going to begin tonight with the staggering inflation that is hitting Americans right in the wallet. Prices were up 6.8% in November compared to a year ago. That is the biggest increase in nearly 40 years. The cost of pretty much everything is surging. Food, gas, electricity, housing, cars, and clothes. And those who received raises this year are seeing them wiped out by skyrocketing costs. Listen to this. By one estimate, expenses for a typical American family have shot up by about $4,000 in the past year. $4,000. But it's a great Biden economy. That's the thing. It's, it's fantastic. And if it's not fantastic, it's COVID's fault. Oh, okay. Speaking of COVID, um, the left is just completely insane on this issue, right? The Democrats are completely out of their minds. They've politicized everything and anything. Whatever they can do to fight the virus, they say we should do. But does it make any sense? Is it worth doing? They don't even get into that. 
Kids are being forced to eat in some places like New York. It's also happened in Portland. Sure, it's happening in other cities across the country. They're forced to because they have to mask up for eight hours a day. Why? Eh, no good reason, no good data on this whatsoever. They're, they're masked up for eight hours a day. They have to sit outside though, even when it's freezing cold, which it is in New York, for example, while they eat their lunch, because you know they have to pull their little masks down to eat their lunch. So that's too dangerous with the virus. They're inside eight hours a day, masks on. And then they go outside to eat for you know, 15 minutes and the masks can come off only if they're outdoors. Uh, the adults who are doing this are a disgrace and they're cowards and they're not very bright. And Jen Psaki is defending them because I guess she's one of them. Well, schools are taking steps, especially since we've only recently approved uh, through the CDC and FDA vaccines for five to 11 year olds. They're not approved for kids younger than that to keep their kids safe and keep students safe. I will tell you, I have a three-year-old who goes to school, sits outside for snacks and lunch, wears a mask inside, and it's no big deal to him. I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but these are steps that schools are taking to keep kids safe. And I think the vast majority of parents appreciate that. The vast majority of parents appreciate it. What a, what a, just, a just a moronic thing to say. Isn't it, a, isn't it enough? Little, little kids shivering outside while they're trying to eat their sandwich because cowardly, stupid adults will not speak the obvious truth here, which is that this is insane. Teachers unions, I swear to God. Uh, oh, and Fauci is the worst of all, of course. Um, here he is trying to scare people into getting their children vaccinated uh, by making it sound really ominous and scary. We'll put it into context in a moment, watch. If your child is five years of age and older, please get them vaccinated. We need to protect the children. This idea that children are not vulnerable at all is not so, George. I mean, certainly statistically, children do not get as severe disease as the adults, particularly the elderly. But if you look at the number of cases of children, now well over 2 million children from 5 to 11 have been infected. There have been over 8,000 to 9,000 hospitalizations and well over 100 deaths. You know how many deaths there are every year from the flu for children in the same age range? Every year you've been alive, whoever you are watching this anywhere across the country, uh, average of about 100. You know how many go to the hospital with the flu? Not COVID, the flu. Every flu season for as long as you've been alive. Thousands, 5,000, 10,000. Do we make the mask in the classroom for eight hours a day? No, we do not. Why? Fauci doesn't have any answers to that because he's the absolute worst. The worst. And he is making people suffer because he's not that bright and he's a coward. Oh, speaking of not that bright, Joe Biden. Uh, we just had these terrible uh, tornadoes, this really one large tornado system uh, that wreaked havoc in Kentucky. And you can see here, I mean, they're expecting that upwards of 100 lives will likely have been lost when, when they finally uh, have the, the final number. Joe Biden right away thinks this is an opportunity, right away to push climate change. Watch this. All that I know is that the intensity of the weather across the board has some impacts as a consequence of the warming of the planet and the climate change. The specific impact on these specific storms, I can't say at this point. I'm going to be asking the EPA and others to take a look at that. But the fact is that uh, we all know everything is more intense when the climate is warming everything. And obviously it has some impact here, but I can't give you a, a quantitative read on that. Yeah, what a surprise. Joe Biden can't give you a quantitative read. I don't think Joe Biden could tell you 
what 100 minus 45 is. But sure, yeah, he understands this. It, they're wrong on everything, folks. This is what you keep saying. They're wrong on the catastrophic effects of climate change. They're wrong on the economy. They're wrong on COVID restrictions. And we all have to deal with the consequences of their wrongness. Maybe people are fed up. Maybe next year we'll actually have a reckoning. New York state mask mandate officially went into effect today. We'll have more on that with New York Post columnist David Marcus. You know, big tech is taking advantage of us, mining our data, selling it. And guess what? We don't benefit from it at all. If you think your emails, texts, and messages are private, guess what? They're not. This is where Secure comes in. Secure's email platform is 100% private. It's Swiss hosted. They use their own servers in Switzerland and have no ties to American big tech companies. With Secure, there's no data mining whatsoever. It's completely private. This is what makes Secure different from every other email and messaging provider out there. Secure is the best email platform in the world when it comes to your security and privacy. It's unmatched. Look, there's a reason Secure built their company the way they did. We need to make a stand and take back our privacy from the big tech monopolies. With my discount code BUCK, Secure will only cost you $750 a month for full access. That's nothing. Go to secure.com today and create your secure email address and account. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off for a whole year. That's S-E-K-U-R.com, S-E-K-U-R.com, promo code BUCK. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. They're back, beginning today in New York. All indoor public places that do not require proof of full vaccination for entry are being forced to implement a mask mandate. New York Governor Kathy Hochul announced the mandate Friday, calling it a major action to get ahead of what she calls a winter surge. The lunacy continues, folks. If there's one thing this pandemic has taught us, it's that all mask mandates have failed, but those in charge in blue states just don't care. This is about control. It will never end unless we make it end. Here with reaction, New York Post columnist David Marcus. David, I, I, at this point, I just want to look at everybody. I mean, I really wish that I could get like a sit down with the editorial board of the New York Times and, and just, just to sit down in the room with them, just be like, are you guys all morons? I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering, you really believe this stuff at this point? You think a mask mandate that takes into account whether you have a vaccine mandate, this is gonna save anybody from what exactly? You know, it's amazing. I, I mean, it, it, it's a merry-go-round. We've been having this conversation for two years. You know, there's something that I realized the other day, and I, I have a, a piece up at, at Fox News talking about this today. Um, it's kind of amazing. When it comes to COVID, the, the progressives and the Democrats have absolutely no risk tolerance, right? Just turn your life upside down, mask your kids, and it'll save just one life. When it comes to crime, though, right, uh, they have all the risk tolerance in, in the world. I mean, they admit that their social justice experiments are going to get people killed, are going to make the streets more dangerous, but they say, hey, you know, we have to take a chance. Um, and, and what it really boils down to is if you obey the law and if you try to do the right thing, the government is going to try to crush you. If you, on the other hand, you know, smash the, the, the glass at a high end jewelry store, um, you know, you don't even go to jail. It, it's insane what's going on. It, it, it really is just crazy, Buck. I think it's an, you make an excellent point there in the comparison whereby we've seen, I mean, the defund the police movement along with progressive prosecutors and all the things we've seen for, quote, criminal justice reform uh, for the last 18 months or so, has resulted in thousands of people being killed, God knows how many assaulted, raped. I mean, it just, it's gotten worse all across the country because of it, and they take no accountability for pushing these ideas and these policies whatsoever. Meanwhile, I mean, we've got kids, 
and you've probably seen this, David, there's video, the video of it in Portland, people talking about it here in New York, kids sitting outside to eat their lunch because that's the one time they're allowed to drop their mask to ingest food. We're, we're treating kids not just like they're prisoners, but like they're in the gulag or something. I mean, it's really insane. And, and I, I wonder, what does it take for parents to realize you're essentially sitting back and watching kids here, your own children, be abused by the state? This is abusive. Yeah, and look, I think I think the majority of parents have realized this. And I think that uh, clearly in the places where they've said, take the masks off the kids, there hasn't been some big backlash of parents saying, no, I want my kids in a mask, right? Um, the problem, I think, it really is the politicians. And I think for the Democratic Party and for Biden in particular, um, they they desperately need to walk this stuff back, right, in order to get the economy going, in order to have any chance in 2022. But they can't do it because they've spent two years absolutely terrifying their base. Um, and they don't have a way to say now what they should say is easy, like, oh, Omicron is really easy to catch. It's not very dangerous. We've gotten through the other side of this. Let's go back to normal. That's what they should say. Uh, but they can't because they've got this terrified group of people in their base and in the media who, you know, that won't let it go. It's, you know, it's nuts. Some folks are, at least in the case of New York, who are in positions of authority willing to push back a little. By the way, I, I just hope that everyone in New York City realizes who runs in a stat, like, you just, you just can't do this anymore, guys. Like, you can't tell people, sorry, you can't come in without a mask unless we see, I mean, like, we, they just, enough is enough. Although I wonder, I don't, I don't know, there's a lot of crazy libs walking around here. Um, but here's Rockland County Executive Ed Day, Rockland County, just outside New York City. He, he says that, I told the governor's staff we cannot and will not enforce this requirement as it currently stands. How do you enforce something that's based on a press release that does not contain adequate information and explanation? The governor has said this program will be reevaluated on January 15th, but what metrics will be used as part of this reevaluation? It's an incredibly frustrating situation caused solely by poor communication from New York State and Governor Hochul. I mean, look, I think Governor Hochul is, is something of a moron. I mean, and I, I say that not for amusement's sake, but just to be honest, um, and obviously wasn't even the elected governor of the state of New York, so you can't even really blame the voters for her. She's just a Democrat machine creature. Uh, but here we are, and we're being told, yeah, she just feels like a mask mandate. So now we got one, and maybe it goes away in a month, maybe it doesn't? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, like, you know, New York City's big and, and different parts and different people are dealing with this in, in different ways. You know, I went to a diner for dinner last night and they didn't check my Vax card. I, I've had that experience in various places on the, in the city. I was in the subway today and there were more people not wearing their mask on the subway car than there were last week. So, I mean, to some extent, New Yorkers are going to do what they're going to do. Um, as you pointed out, our kids, unfortunately, don't have that option. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I do think that if, if Hochul keeps squeezing tighter and tighter, I, I don't think you're going to see a major backlash. I just think you're going to see a lot of New Yorkers ignoring it. I hope so. Speaking of New yeah, Yorkers, one yeah. more thing here. We got the, I've been saying, my, my birthday is December 28th, so you can make sure you send me a nice text, David, on my birthday. Happy birthday. I will. Um, or you can come down to Florida and party with me and a bunch of other you know, folks that love freedom in America. But anyway... <laughs> Um, we got my, my birthday present guaranteed is that Mayor Bill de Blasio will no longer be the mayor as of January 1st. Here he is, though, on the way out. I just I need to have you react to this guy. Watch. Eight years I've been mayor. 
uh, index crime, major crimes in New York City down 11% over eight years. And we did it bringing police and community closer together. Look around the city right now. This city is thriving. The bottom line is that there is, today in New York City, a much safer city than we were eight years ago. There's no question about that. Okay, now I know you're one of the, you're one of the stay and fight guys for New York. And you know, I love yeah. New York too. I'm not, I'm not sure I could do the staying and the fighting anymore. I was gonna say this though. No one thinks that what this guy says is true. As in the city's great, it's in great shape, whatever. <laughs> the streets are filthy, they're more dangerous, the subways suck right now, it's a mess. I mean, the idea that the city's safer than, than when he took office is just like, I mean, it's flat out delusional. It's absolutely insane. I mean, not all of it's his fault because bail reform had a lot to do with it, and that's coming from Albany, and you know, that's not a whole bunch of winners either. But um, no, this guy's a disaster. Thank, thank goodness he'll be gone. I don't know what to, you know. I have my fingers crossed for Eric Adams. You know, at least he was a cop. I think he knows what it takes to to help bring the city back, and and if he can withstand the pressure of the left, um, you know, like I said, fingers crossed. Time will tell. We'll see. I hope, I hope so, man. You may be the last sane person standing as New York crumbles around you. But if you save it, I'll come back, I promise. I'll, 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 right, once you fix it anyway. all, I'll come and hang out. So, David. You're going you're gonna to want the bagels. I can't eat gluten, my man. That's a whole other conversation. Oh, all right. Well, okay. The gluten-free bagels. David Marcus, everybody. Check out his latest at New York Post. David, thanks so much. Thanks, Buck. Last week, the Biden administration reinstated the Trump-era remain-in-Mexico policy, which requires asylum seekers to stay in Mexico while awaiting a court date in the U.S. Could this be a turning point in America's crisis at the southern border? Center for Immigration Studies' Mark Krikorian joins us next to give his perspective. Right now, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market's hot right now. It seems like everybody wants to get in on the action. There's so many currencies to choose from, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or any of the other dozens of digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started. That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy to use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with amazing customer service. It's one of the few US-based crypto companies that'll answer your phone call and help you get started. Your comfort and security is their absolute top priority. Look, when it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back and speak to you honestly. That's what you'll get with my digital money. Go to mydigitalmoney.com. Again, that's mydigitalmoney.com. We'll be right back with the Center for Immigration Studies, Mark Krikorian. Texas Governor Greg Abbott isn't waiting any longer for the Biden administration to do its job at the southern border. Abbott is deploying over 10,000 state troopers and National Guard members as another caravan is approaching the United States. The announcement comes as the Biden administration reinstates the Trump-era remain-in-Mexico policy, which requires migrants to stay in Mexico while seeking asylum. Will it be enough to counter the overwhelming surge of migrants entering the United States? Mark Corian. Executive Director at the Center for Immigration Studies joins me now to break down that question. All right, Mark, is it going to be enough? Probably not. Um, the Biden administration is only re-implementing the Remain in Mexico program because a court ordered it something like four months ago. They're finally getting around to it. They've made all kinds of exceptions, uh, you know, carve-outs. And, um, you know, it probably will have some effect because, you know, word travels. And um, what we saw in a similar sense, not exactly the same thing, but in the Obama administration in 2014, this border issue blew up and they took some steps, not remain in Mexico, but some other things that did help damp it down a little bit, 
and the next year they just started going right back up again. So this will have a little bit of uh, a little bit of positive impact, almost certainly, but not enough because it doesn't change the basic legal loopholes that are driving this whole thing. Mark, are they actually even doing? the Remain in Mexico program the way that the Trump administration did. I, I spoke to somebody from the uh, Border Patrol Union recently who said, even if the Biden administration is technically agreeing to some reinstatement, they'll just hide in the folds of the bureaucracy, so to speak. They'll just make sure that it's so slow and so uh, lackluster in the actual execution of the program that it's not really going to matter, but it's sort of a talking point. Is that your read? Yeah, my sense is probably that. Maybe it'll be a little more effective than that, but I'm skeptical. They're only doing it in a few places on the border now. They're talking about rolling it out to more parts of the border eventually. The number of people they're applying it to is very small. It's only not just single men, because they're not applying this to family members. They're not applying it to um, a whole bunches of people, including uh, LGBT. And past experience in this has shown that, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of guys putting on dresses like Max Klinger and MASH, the TV show from years ago, and claiming to be um, some kind of transgender thing. And then what are they going to do? Uh, you know, say no. Um, so there's no, there's no Wait, question. Can, you, can I just explain this? What is the LGBTQ? There's now a special policy involving illegal immigrants. I haven't heard anything about this. So please expand on this. Yeah, they they said specifically that they won't apply the um, remain in Mexico policy. In other words, we have to go back across the border and wait for your hearing date. They won't apply that to all kinds of people they've carved out, including uh, LGBT people. And okay. so you're going to get a lot of guys who say, oh, yeah, I'm really gay. I'm fleeing persecution or they'll, you know, they'll, they'll put on a wig. I mean, I don't know what, but- So, believe, so, so as a matter of policy, Mark, it's fair to say that if you if you show up to the border, you want to get into America and you say, I am a transgender individual, and maybe you put on a, a you know, a dress if you're a man, or, or maybe you just say this, this now becomes, I mean, we know with Credible Fear, for example, they were trained by the cartels to say, I'm fleeing violence in my country. Why are you fleeing violence? From whom, right? Well, who cares? Just let me in. This will now work with, I'm a member of the LGBTQ community fleeing persecution. So they've created another open door here effectively. Yeah, basically, yes. And the issue is not so much that they might get asylum at the end of the story. They might actually at the end of the process, they might not. But the point is they get into the country. That's the whole point that Remain in Mexico is trying to prevent is using a claim of asylum as a way of being released and let go into the US, at which point you're home free. That's the goal. And whatever can get people that, you know, release into the US, they're gonna, people are gonna try it. By the way, migrants are traveling through Yuma during a time of a lot of uncertainty about COVID-19 and without provisions for adequate food, water, shelter, transportation, and medical care. The mayor of Yuma, Arizona, put out a statement in regards to the overwhelming surge of migrants. It's reported that the mayor of Yuma has declared a total emergency due to the unprecedented numbers of migrants entering the city prior to being processed and released by Border Patrol. 6,000 plus migrants have passed through Yuma in recent days. The numbers are up 2,647% is what we've got here since October 1st. 
Mark, what's going on? I think 2,647% increase is a lot. Isn't that right? It seems like yeah. it's a lot. Um, Yuma is someplace where uh, the Border Patrol really had shut that place down. I mean, the border barriers, there's various fences there, there's all kinds of stuff that really succeeded in shutting that part of the border down. And what you're seeing now is if South Texas becomes harder and Del Rio, remember that's where all the people were, Haitians were under the bridge, well, Yuma is farther to get to, but if that's an easier, if they're a softer touch, if you know that's a weak link, then obviously that's where people are going and that's what you're seeing there. By the way, the border czar, Kamala Harris, apparently no longer officially or whether she was ever official, who cares? They're no longer really referring to her that way. But it was amazing. We were told initially she was looking at root causes, right? That was why she was going to Central America and not Mexico. Well, that was many months ago, as we all recall, earlier this year. Here's the White House press secretary, Mark, when asked about whether the borders are Kamala Harris has been in contact with Mexico recently. Is the president, is the administration um, reaching out to Mexico, to partners in Central America this morning? Does this cause for a certain reevaluation of the strategy to deter migration? Or? It would really come through the Department of Homeland Security, uh, that kind of outreach. Uh, so I would point you to them for any more detail about a connection with the Mexican government. Or the vice president at this point? I can, this I can check and see, but I suspect that conversation would first happen through the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, she's the white, the Department of Homeland Security works for the White House, which I always think this is such a funny thing where like whatever Jen Psaki doesn't want, she's like, oh, just go ask that other branch of the federal government. This is kind of important. Isn't she supposed to know what's going on? You would think, I think maybe she probably does. And this is a way of dodging the question. Uh, they actually, somebody, one of the news media interviewed the president of Guatemala. And he has said that since that original visit months ago, when the vice president, our vice president went down there and made that silly speech about do not come, that he hasn't heard anything more from her or her office or anybody. It's a, it's a stunt. It's a, they're trying to manage the issue politically rather than actually take the steps that would fix the problem in a policy sense. Rio Grande Valley sector, 112,000 migrant apprehensions since October 1st. Del Rio sector, 70,000 migrant apprehensions since October 1st. Uh, It's just the numbers are staggering. They're going to be staggering next year, I think, too, Mark, right? No, real quick, no reason to believe this is going to change. No, there'll be ups and downs a little bit, but I mean, um, it's not the basic thing isn't going to change because the root cause of what we're seeing at the border is not in Central America. It's in the Oval Office. Mark Kerkorian, good to see you, sir. Thank you. Former Virginia Congressman Tom Garrett has been busy since leaving office in 2019. When we come back, Garrett joins us to discuss a new docu-series he's producing, shining a light on religious persecution around the world. Right now, I want to talk to you about protecting the most important asset you own, your home. You have homeowner's insurance for a good reason. Because without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI calls home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially. That's why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home title lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way onto your home's title, they help shut it down. 
Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back. Former Congressman Thomas Garrett has produced a documentary series shining a light on the often overlooked global issue of ethnic and religious persecution around the world. Exile exposes this and profiles people uh, on the ground who risk their lives every day to protect the innocent. This docuseries will focus on the global persecution of all religious groups, including the anti-Semitic attacks in Europe, the Uyghurs in China, Christians in Africa, and more. Uh, go check out the six-part documentary series from former Virginia Congressman Thomas Garrett, and he joins me now to discuss this project and the experience of making it. Tom, thanks for being here. Bob, thank you. Uh, appreciate the opportunity. So this is a very powerful, important subject, something needs to be talked about more. Tell us why you created this docuseries, how you came to it. So I go to Washington, and the first uh, day I'm sworn in, I'm trying to get on the committee, and the chairman says, hey, you got to promise to vote for this farm bill. It was the Ag Committee. And I said, well, let me read it and try to get the yes. And uh, he said, well, it doesn't exist yet. And so I'm immediately disenchanted. They kind of warehouse guys on the Foreign Affairs Committee because, as you know, it's an executive branch responsibility. And I, and I got there and kind of fell in love, had the opportunity to extract uh, a couple of guys from prison, went to Sudan when the administration and the committee chair said, you can't go there and you could die. And then uh, when I was leaving, uh, went into Iraq and Syria, the back way across the uh, Euphrates River on a pontoon bridge from Dahuk and just met these amazing women and men, Yazidis, Christians, moderate Muslims, Kurds, who were fighting against Daesh, right? We're in Baguz and Darzor province, uh, kinetic stuff going on. Uh, they tried to get me to not do that. They wanted me to leave, and I told them no. Um, really respect you and your background. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I heard these stories, and they blew my mind. And I thought, you know, somebody needs to tell these stories because we've been botching foreign policy uh, for 80 years in this country. There's a body count, and I really believe we could save lives if we just had certain baseline expectations from people with whom we work. So wh why do you think that this doesn't get more attention? Why are powerful players in Hollywood not producing docu-series about similar topic, about, about this particular topic in, in similar fashion. Feels like this is something, you're talking about oppression of the, of the Uyghurs, you're talking about uh, attacks on, on Christians in, in Africa, it happens in other places around the world too. It would seem like this is something, these, these are victims that we'd, we'd hear about, but we don't hear about it very often. Right, so we've chosen, uh, collectively as a society, we've chosen money over human life, right? Hollywood won't, and you say we produced it, we're producing it. I've got probably dozens of hours of footage, primarily from Syria and Iraq, but some other places. Um, Hollywood won't make this movie because the people who sort of benefit from this uh, have a vested interest in it. We went to all the big studios, Buck, and I could name names, and they said, we love the product, this is great stuff. Can you do this without talking about China? Like That's a true story more than once. And I said, you know, doing a doc on human rights and oppression without mentioning China is like doing a doc on the Beatles without mentioning John can't be done. Um, so sort of a big undertaking at exileseries.com to try to crowdfund this. I think if we succeed, it will be the third largest crowdfunded media project ever. And people say, well, the American public doesn't care about foreign policy. Pardon me for getting sort of colloquial on you. Dude, the American public cares about people. It's just that the right people aren't telling the right stories the right ways. Governments are like children. They'll, they'll behave as badly as we let them. 
So we shine a light on this, get people to expect that we do business differently and we might get different results. And, and I just want to know, you went into these areas and documented some pretty harrowing stuff. Uh, these violations of human rights have been eye-opening experiences, I'm sure. I mean, just what are some of the things that you saw that you want people to know are going on and, and you cover, obviously, in this docuseries? So we started trying to do pub to do the crowdfunding at ExileSeries.com and got a statistic that eight Christians a day were killed for their faith. Started using that, and then we like accidentally re-Googled it. In two years, it's up to 16 a day. Right? The UN talks about persecution and, and uh, Christians in Africa at genocide levels. You've heard about a million Rohingya displaced. You haven't heard about the Chen, the Wa, the Karen uh, in, in Myanmar, the longest running civil war on earth, 80 years of murder of ethnic and religious minorities. You've heard about the Uyghurs. You haven't heard perhaps about the persecution uh, of, uh, of the Yazidis. You, you know, it's everywhere. And it's ongoing and, and going and, and meeting women who had been, you know, sold by their characterization thousands of times. Tom, Guys, you and your partners are currently crowdfunding this project. How are you going to utilize that money? Is it for the purpose of distributing your project? I mean, will it go towards organizations that assist human rights? What, what are the goals here? What are you trying to accomplish? So I'd love to talk to you off air, Buck, because I'm sure we've run in some of the same circles. We don't, I mean, I'm going into these places. I've got a little bit of training. Um, but we're going in with the security detail, uh, former Rangers, special forces, uh, tier one type operators, um, you know, kidnap and ransom insurance. When we were in Syria for eight days for one person was 20 grand. Uh, if we were filming this uh, in, in Kentucky, it'd be a lot less expensive. The reality of it is, though, if we don't do something about it here, one day we will be filming it in, in Kentucky where it won't be being filmed at all. So this is just a very expensive thing to do and do with any level um of security i can't get into the details i can tell you that on two occasions in syria specifically uh, i was probably a couple of feet and seconds away from not being your guest today but these stories got to get told right and 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 braver people than me have done harder things than this so exileseries.com and this crowdfunding effort again is, is is an effort to shine a light on this again if people knew what was going on in many instances uh either the u.s has turned a blind eye uh, or, 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 or even aided, um, we would demand things be done differently. And, and the neat thing about this buck is it transcends in a world where everything's hyperpolarized. It transcends political ideology, right? If you can't get Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC in a room and have them agree, and you're all showing file footage of my great friend and, and I'd say mentor David Eubank with the Free Roman Rangers, just a wonderful man. But if we can't get them in a room and have them agree. That, that every human being has a God-given right to live without fear in the place of their birth, it's worse than I thought. So again, this stuff's compelling. I'm very proud of the work at ExileSeries.com. You've seen the trailer. We've got about a better part of the pilot done. Um, this is great stuff. We're working with people who are, you know, Anthony Bourdain, Mike Rowe level producers and guys and gals who are literally risking their lives to help us tell this story. I'm willing to risk mine. I just hope that people will maybe you know, open their wallets, because if we shine a light on this, it will change how we do business, which will save lives. Tom, real quick, what is the status right now of how close you are to completion of the series? And, and also, where should folks go if they want to help and donate to your project? So I want everybody to go to ExileSeries.com and take a look at the trailer, right? This thing will sell itself. Um, it, it's, it's, this is world-class work. Like, I'm the weak link here, the presenter is. Um, how close are we? We have a real blessing in the form of a network of people who are former State Department employees. Buck, you get the joke. 
um, and, and, and military personnel and missionaries. I was at a meeting back in August in D.C., and my mom said, who's at the meeting? I said, it's missionaries, mercenaries, and spies. Um, but all sort of agreed that um, we need to do business differently because human life, and pardon me, there's not any attempt to co-op BLM. Human life matters, and we're doing all the wrong things. And and so uh, yeah, go to exileseries.com. Check out the trailer. If you if you feel like it's as good as I do, you know I'm risking an awful lot. Maybe you'll risk a ten spot uh, because we just can't turn a blind eye on this. It's our responsibility as people fortunate enough to be amongst the one in 26 born in this country uh, to do something for people less fortunate than ourselves. Tom, thank you so much for sharing this with us. We appreciate it. God bless you, Buck, and your listeners and Watt and viewers. It's just, uh, we, you know, we're all in, and, and we hope that we can get the support. These are stories that need to be told. ExileSeries.com. ExileSeries.com. Thanks again. Vice President Harris brushed off negative media coverage about her, saying she will not be distracted by ridiculous headlines. We'll bring you that story coming up in quick hits. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is heating up. Bitcoin, Ethereum, there's a lot of digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started though. That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy to use self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. It's one of the few US-based crypto companies that'll answer your phone call and help you get started. Because when it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at mydigitalmoney.com. That's mydigitalmoney.com. We'll be right back with Quick Hits. Dr. Oz takes aim at Dr. Fauci and First Lady Jill Biden dismisses concerns about President Biden's mental fitness. Quick hits time. Let's get to it. You may have noticed that there's a problem the Democrat Party has right now, and it has to do with Kamala Harris. Um, no one really seems very excited about Kamala Harris as a politician. Certainly no one is excited about all she's accomplished as vice president right now. I'm say no, but there's always somebody, but in general. Uh, she is dwindling in support in the polls. And uh, people are saying, well, even if she was in a place that the Democrat Party wanted to have her be the heir apparent to the Oval Office, whether Biden runs for a second term or not, maybe that's not a good idea. Even Democrats are starting to say this. People are recognizing the challenges of trying to elevate Kamala Harris to the highest office in the land. And she says the negative headlines are ridiculous. She says, I will not be distracted by these ridiculous headlines. There's nothing about this job that is supposed to be easy. If something is coming to me, it's because it needs to be addressed and because by definition, it's not going to be easy. If it was easy, it would have been handled before it comes to me. Okay, that's uh, a nice spin on the situation to be sure. Yes, Kamala handles all the tough stuff. What exactly? What, what has that been? I'm just wondering, what, what is Kamala Harris doing as vice president that shows that she's the most trusted, solvent person for this administration. First Lady Jill Biden has dismissed concerns about President Biden's fitness, by the way. Here she is. There have been some recent polls that show that quite a few Americans have some questions about the president's current mental fitness. As somebody who spends I can see you shaking your head. Yes. So what's your response to that? I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, what's she going to say? We dragged a guy who clearly is foggy and in the early stages of 
mental decline into the Oval Office because Democrats were so convinced that Trump was, you know, a fascist who was going to destroy the country. I mean, because she, she could say that, and that would be the truth, but she's talking about her husband as well as the president here, and I'm like, she's going to say that, so not a surprise. We are all observing with Joe Biden what we observe, right? We see it ourselves. Anyone can tell us whatever they want. It doesn't change the fact that sometimes it is clear this is somebody who is not all there. It's just as clear. Um, Dr. Oz is a famous TV doc. He is running in Pennsylvania as a Republican for the Senate. And I got to say, it's as though Dr. Oz is hoping that he locks up the Buck Sexton vote early here because he's going after Fauci. He says, I believe Dr. Anthony Fauci should be held accountable for misleading, whether willfully or unintentionally, the American public and the United States Congress. Fauci has lost the faith and confidence of the American people. It's time for a new face talking to the American people, one that is more trusted. Yeah, why is Fauci the only person that can do the job of... I'm not even talking about his role at the NIAID or whatever, NIAID. I'm not even speaking about his perch within the NIH. I think he's one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, federal bureaucrat in the entire country. Just remember that, folks. Uh, but can somebody else be the, the voice, the, the point man or point woman, so to speak, of the Biden administration's mitigation strategy for COVID? You would think, but I don't know, some people might start to feel like Fauci kind of likes all the attention and the power and the acclaim. Maybe he's just a little megalomaniac who has gotten a little too in love with the sound of his own voice and the sight of his own face. Oh yeah, Joe Biden said something about Afghanistan I wanted to get to today as well. He claims he always opposed the war and, well, listen. Certain things that are just, like for example, Afghanistan. Well, I've been against that war in Afghanistan for the, from the very beginning. We're spending $300 million a week in Afghanistan over 20 years. Now, how do you know, everybody says you could have gotten out without any, anybody being hurt. No one's come up with a way to ever indicate to me how that happens. Commander-in-Chief. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high.